the Bible Study Podcast, episode 697. I'll tell you why, but this is a special episode of the Bible Study Podcast. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen, and I have to correct a problem. And it's a problem, oddly enough, that I went, I think, nine years without anybody pointing out to me, and I don't understand how that can be. But a number of people have pointed out recently, which is when I did an episode, or a series of episodes, rather, of 21 episodes on the book of Revelation back in 2011, I didn't finish the book, apparently. As far as I can tell, there is no episode on the last chapter of the book, and multiple people have been writing in this year saying, hey, what happened to the last chapter of this book? So I'm going to finish Revelation with Revelation 22 today. But before we do that, just to wrap up what the book of Revelation is about, if you haven't listened to that study, you can go back to the website and listen to those older episodes. I made a case, both in that study as well as in another study that you can find that is the Bible summarized in 10 minutes, that studies Genesis 1 and Revelation 22, that this whole book is about the relationship of God and his people, including the very confusing book of Revelation. Revelation, which has all of these visions that we don't understand, all of these visions of seven seals and seven bowls and plagues and writers of apocalypse and and seven letters to the churches and things. And it's a confusing book because it seems to, at times, show the earth and then the earth will be destroyed and then we'll be back seeing the earth again. And so it, it goes through these cycles and it isn't necessarily meant for us to understand in the way that Hal Lindsey tried to in the late Great Planet Earth book. But instead, there's a message here in this book of Revelation, and the message that we found in the chapter I ended with, which was chapter 21, is this creation of the new earth, that God has restored his creation, and that all of the Bible, everything in between Genesis and the end of Revelation, is God in the process of doing that restoration. We're just coming off a study of the book of Genesis. And part of the reason that I wanted to study that story is it's the beginning of that story of God and his people, beginning with Adam and Eve, of course, but also Noah, and then, of course, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then, of course, Joseph. And in that story of Joseph, I think we see most clearly God working to restore his people, God working through this young dreamer, this dreamer with a pretty colored coat, but putting him through some things where he gets sent to prison, he gets sold into slavery, and yet all of that is meant for good, that God is working through a plan where he will save Joseph's family by bringing them into Egypt, where he can turn them from a family into a clan, into a nation. And it is a nation that he will create in the book of Exodus and later on in Joshua, and that God is working his purpose in the plan, and that plan ends here in Revelation 22, and it ends with restoration, and it goes like this. Eden restored, 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. A couple things in there to point out in terms of a lot of things in the Bible in general, but especially in Revelation, one of these books that is an apocalyptic style of writing. That's the style of writing from Revelation, from the book of Ezekiel, for instance, that are these visions of things. A lot of meaning in numbers. And so these 12 crops of fruit every month, so that's one crop for a month, uh, for those of us who live in a 12-month year, which isn't necessarily what they did. But it's also 12 is a significant meaning in the Bible because 12 tends to represent the people of God. There are 12 tribes. There were 12 sons of Israel. There were 12 apostles. And so 12 tends to be this word that's relating to God's people. I don't know specifically in this case if it is. We'll have to ask God when we get there. But we've got this city, and down the middle of the city, the tree of life. Remember the last time we saw the tree of life was in the Garden of Eden in the beginning of the book of Genesis. And in the beginning of the book of Genesis, there were two trees that were special. One they were told not to eat from, Adam and Eve, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the other one was the tree of life. And the last we saw this, as they're kicked out of the garden, there is an angel that is keeping them from this tree of life. And now, when we get here to the end of the book, to the end of the story, which is still in our future, the tree of life is right there, and it's bearing fruit, and there is healing. There's no curse, there's no darkness, and that process of reconciling God to his people that started right away after the fall in Genesis, when God says to the serpent that the offspring of the woman will bruise his head, when he is already prophesying that a child from the woman, not a child from the woman and the man, prophesying basically Jesus' virgin birth, he already has a plan at that point By this point, that plan has been revealed and that plan has been executed. And where was God heading that whole time? He's heading to this, to Eden restored, to the healing of the nations, to people seeing his face, to have his name on their foreheads. Now, his name on their foreheads, that reminds me of two different things. One is earlier in the book of Revelation, we're told the mark of the beast and that people will be marked with that. And that's certainly one thing you can think of. But also think about the law and how the law was supposed to be bound on our doorposts and on our foreheads. And so basically it was the mark of whose you are, whether it's the beast here from the book of Revelation or God's here at the end of Revelation, that everyone has been reclaimed and marked with ownership. 
If you think of the movie Toy Story, when they look at the bottom of Buzz Lightyear's foot and it has Andy written on it, it's the mark of whose we are. But it's on our forehead. And there's no more night. And, of course, light and darkness are used in the Bible usually for metaphors for good and evil. Is this metaphorical that there will be no night? I don't know. But it certainly is filling in that that there will be healing and then there won't be that evil. There won't be that darkness anymore. And then finally, we wrap up the book with these words, John and the angel. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. The reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. A rather long section there couple different things. One is that the angel says, don't worship him. He's just a servant like John is, like we are. Worship God. And then there's this theme here that Jesus is coming soon. And that's a frustrating theme because to us, 2,000 years does not seem soon. And there's two different ways to interpret that that have traditionally been used. One is that portions of this book have to do with the persecution that the Christians will go through under the Romans, and that there is words in this that that were really meaning to be applied in the first century. But also, I think it's just one of those things where a thousand years is like a day to God, where our definition of soon and his are not the same. And it can be frustrating because we 
have been wondering as God's people for 2,000 years when soon is. And we've had people who've decided it's today and ended up on top of mountains and been mistaken because as Jesus told us, only the Father knows the day. And so we are encouraged to be ready. But also here, we're encouraged to come. Some of my favorite words in this whole book, and I mean both Revelation and the Bible, are the Spirit and the Bride say, come. The one who hears says, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. The free gift of the water of life. That this whole book that ends with this chapter is an invitation. It's a story of God and his people starting in Genesis, ending in Revelation. But it is also an invitation. It is God's plan working out to restore his people. And so it ends with the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you also this week. And with that, we're going to end this episode, this rather strange and untimely episode, or at least delayed episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout Scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.